afternoon, everyone. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Shalini Kemker. We apologize, we're a little bit late, but I'm accompanied by two uh, very charismatic uh, gentlemen today. One is, um, you'll, you'll have come across him many a times. It's, uh, it's the exceptional um, Lord John Bird, um, founder of The Big Issue, and he's uh, involved in a number of different things. But um, hopefully some of you who are members of E2E have had the opportunity of meeting with him previously because he's been very actively involved with our business in terms of supporting entrepreneurs. Also, um, you, you can see, you can't see John, um, but you, you'll be able to hear him. John, do you want to just say hi so they can hear you? Hello. Sorry, uh, technical limitations on my end. It comes with being 74 and sitting in a wood by yourself. So uh, we'll see if something changes. He'll join us on video, but he's definitely there um, um, uh, on, on our webinar. And also we have um, Stephen Ravenscroft. Stephen is a partner at Memory Crystal, uh, and uh, I'd like to thank Memory Crystal. They're partnering with us for um, E2E Live today. We've partnered with them in the past, and they're one of the UK's leading uh, law firms, and Stephen specialises in employment law. Um, so Stephen, thank you for joining us. Um, Lord Bird, I'm going to call you John if I may. All right then, but only this once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, John, thank you very much. So the idea, is, as many of you who've been on our webinars for the last five weeks will know, is we want to keep this very, very interactive. This is our fifth um, fifth uh, webinar, but it's also our fifth week in quarantine, and it's been very interesting to see how things have been evolving over the last five weeks and the challenges that um, our community of entrepreneurs are, are having, uh, which are broad ranging from the access to finance to mental health um, to to looking at things like who should be working, how to keep their teams in action. Um, in this very difficult time. So today's session, we wanted to uh, open it up really for about 100, uh, um, uh, roughly 100 attendees on the, joining us today um, to, to make it quite interactive, to allow you to ask as many questions as you would like, myself, of Stephen and of Lord Bird. And um, I just wanted to share with you a little bit um, in terms of the background on John. Um, John, as you know, um, he, he's a member of the House of Lords, he, he's the force behind the big issue, and it's the world's most successful street magazine. Um, he's been one of the most outstanding businessmen uh, of our current time, but one of his huge passions, which he'll talk about, uh, is really helping people out of poverty and being very creative in the way that we do that. So he's done some amazing things with the big issue over the past five weeks of, uh, of um, isolation. So um, I think what I'd, I'd like to do is um, begin by asking John just to talk about some of the things he's been doing with the big issue to be able to share how he's um, maneuvered his business in this time. And then we'll, we'll, we'll jump across Stephen, if I may, um, to talk specifically around the COVID job retention scheme, some of the things, what your views are on it, and around employment law. And after that, I think what we'll do is we'll open it up, uh, if, if I may, to, um, to you participating. 
And hopefully, if things work, you might get to see John's amazing energy and face and charisma later on during the call if, he, if we manage to get the video link. Otherwise, you have his, his, his voice. So, John, do you want to just talk about the things you've been doing? What, how have things evolved for the big issue? What's been important personally? Uh, you've been in the press quite a bit. You've been on social media quite a bit. So um, would you mind to share with us some of the things that you've been um, doing over the past five weeks? Yeah, um, well, five weeks ago, um, I, had a, I had a phone conversation with a member of Her Majesty's government who said that uh, they were going to lift <coughs> all about 5,000 homeless people off the streets and put them into budget hotels like um, it, Travel Lodge and all that. And they said, what were, what were we going to do about the big issue vendors out on the streets being very vulnerable selling? So I said, well, we're removing them. We're not selling them any more papers. We're going to support them, raise money for them, get them socially isolating so that they don't get the diseases, the, the, the um, virus, because a lot of them have very low immune levels. So we turned it into a defense of the vendors and the people we work with, which is over 2,000. And we made that a priority rather than keeping the business going. Because obviously, if you are a business that is sold on the streets and all your income comes from street sales, then suddenly you're just, you're, 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 you're gone. Um, so we did that. And then that was the first weekend of the lockdown. And then what we did was we then quickly launched an app that we'd been working on for a while. We launched a uh, digital version of the magazine and we launched a, uh, a, um, a post version of the magazine. So we still printed the magazine and, and then we negotiated with uh, Sainsbury's, uh, the co-op, um, RS McCall. We uh, negotiated with them to have the magazine put in their shops. It's not a wonderful sale because uh, people, when they buy the big issue, they're really buying in to the individual who's standing for them and buying it from a, 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 a bin, a press bin in Sainsbury's is not the same experience. But anyway, so we did all these things and we've, we've also been uh, fundraising for so that our vendors don't run out of money while they're socially isolating. Uh, we have worked continuously on developing our product and moved very, very quickly. It, it was a situation five weeks ago where not only the wages of everybody else was going down the swanee, but mine as well, because even though I'm an old git, I don't have much of a pension. I have a state pension. I'm a young father. I've got two very young children. And my mortgage of £285,000, unless some of you have a whip-round letter, will be paid off when I'm 93. So I've got skin in the game as well, and I think that's made me a little bit sharper. Um, I think if you've got skin in the oh, game, it's pushes you on. Okay. Thank you, John. No, I absolutely appreciate that. So, um, so what I was asking you to talk about was um, some of the things that you've done to evolve the big issue, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, you mean uh, recently or, or recently. Uh, from with the, with recently? The, have you launched an app recently and how did you yeah, go about I've, 
I just told you that. Didn't you hear me? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. We've launched an app. Um, so the app is a very interesting thing because it has the digital magazine on. Um, yeah. And what it also, it, it is work that we've been doing for the last few years because we've been doing something called Social Echo. So what we've been doing is working in communities, working with vulnerable people, working with people in need. So what we've done is we've uh, almost uh, created a, a kind of community forum, a community hub ahead of the COVID-19. And quite a number of local authorities are now imitating the work that we've been doing. We have been very, very uh, clever in one way in that over two years ago, we, we realized that we needed to get deeper into the community to find out who, who are the vulnerable ones, who needs food, who needs their shopping done, who needs uh, to be taken to the hospital, and also the young mothers, who needs the help with them, with the children, and uh, the social... So we have been doing that stuff for... Uh, as I said, almost two years, we had a conference, a social echo conference a couple of years ago, and it brought an enormous network of people to us. So we've been kind of leading in that field, and the app will be doing more of that. So the app will have a digital magazine. Uh, we have to sell magazines, because if we don't, no one gets paid. Uh, we have reserves that will get us through the next two or three months. Uh, but uh, unless we've got a new product uh, in about six weeks' time, and we have, uh, six weeks after the event, we would have gone down the tubes. So we have managed to um, be clever. We've done furloughing as well. Uh, we furlough, and we're, um, we're obviously looking at any business interruption thing. But we haven't concentrated on that. We've concentrated on trying to turn the business round on a sickness. Sure. And have you, have you raised any additional funding in the last few weeks, John? Oh, yeah. We've got... We've, yeah, because I'm very good at poncing. I'm very good at asking people for money because I believe that the work that we need to do in the community is the most important work in the community. So we've managed to raise some money. Most of the money we've raised uh, goes to our vendors some of it goes to the company. We really do want to support the vendors in this most difficult time. When their livelihood is on the streets and the streets have been removed, then we have to replace that. So we're doing that. And we've got loads of staff out uh, keeping in contact and putting money out and, and supermarket um, uh, uh, you know, cards and stuff like that. And also, we've been paying people's gas and electricity if they've managed to get indoors. So right. uh, we're really, we, we've learned an enormous amount in this crisis. And I have to say, the public has been brilliant and everybody's been brilliant, and as well as the NHS, who we work very closely with. Okay, great. John, thank you. I'm going to move over to Stephen for a minute. You mentioned that you furloughed some of your staff. And what I'd like, to, um, Stephen, if you wouldn't mind, just to talk a little bit about your views on the job retention scheme. What's working well? What's not working well? Is it, is it working for small businesses? Uh, would you mind just to chat a little bit about your views on the employment um, law scheme? And then I think um, I'm very open to asking people to ask their questions of you and John as well. That would be great. 
Sure, absolutely, Shalini. And, and um, if, my, um, uh, if my reception breaks up, then just wave and I'll try and reconnect. I'm aware it's not great. Okay, great. Um, so, uh, as I'm sure everybody who's, who's attending this webinar is aware, you know, we've got this job retention scheme, which the government introduced uh, in March, uh, initially for a three-month period, but it's now been extended through to the end of June. And it's designed to provide support to employers who furlough their employees. I must admit, furlough as, a, as an employment lawyer was a term that nobody had used until four weeks ago. I don't think I even knew, uh, you know, knew the existence of the word within an, uh, an employment law perspective. But it's, it's obviously now a well-recognised uh, term, meaning that you lay off your members of staff um, um, uh, uh, so that they stay at home and they do no work. Um, the, the online portal for making the claims opened yesterday and there hasn't been a huge influx of claims. I'd be really interested to hear from those people who are on the call today what people's first impressions have been of the, of the service. I, I think that the um, government said that they protested over 140,000 applications yesterday, so it's obviously uh, been, been highly used already. Um, I think the issue with the scheme that we've kind of identified talking to a lot of our clients and particularly SME clients is that it is very much a kind of all or nothing scheme in that there is a requirement to furlough employees so that they agree they will not do any work whatsoever uh, and there has to be a minimum period of three weeks for that furlough for the employer to be able to access the scheme and obtain the grants to support 80% um, um, of, of that employee's normal wage up to the up to the maximum of £2,500 a month. Yeah. And, um, and the big problem, I think, with this all-or-nothing approach is that for smaller businesses, they don't have necessarily you know, numbers of employees in teams, whether they be finance teams or sales teams or other types of business function, um, you, you may have only one or two critical people in a certain function. And therefore, to ask them to go home and do nothing for three weeks is going to compromise the, um, the, the, the entire um, uh, future of the business. Um, so, you know, the all or nothing approach of no work puts together with the minimum period of three weeks um, as a minimum period for furlough leave to access the scheme, I think does present a number of difficulties for smaller businesses. Um, there are a few other aligned difficulties that that, uh, that um, I'm sure will continue to emerge. Um, again, one particularly for smaller businesses is the fact that the 80% is, is based on normal wage. So for directors of small business who may pay themselves a very low wage and otherwise take their income by way of dividend, um, that the element of dividend will not be covered by the um, grants made by the government. Um, there's other areas of uncertainty around EMI for EMI, EMI option holders and whether the period of furlough um, is a disqualifying event because people don't meet time requirements or because they are forced to go and seek secondary employment maintain some form of income um, during that furlough leave period. 
So there are a number of uncertainties around it, um, whilst you know recognising that obviously it is designed to try and help employers retain their employees through this period of great uncertainty. Um, thank you very much, Stephen. We really appreciate that. And um, what I'd like to mention also on this point is that Stephen and I are both on a, um, a, a co-working group organised by the Entrepreneurship Organisation Council. Uh, we've put together a policy paper, and Stephen, thank you for your um, contribution on that paper. What that paper is effectively saying is it's making sort of six main recommendations, but the first one of which is to ask for the ability for small businesses to have um, the ability to work from home uh, in a de minimis kind of way. The de minimis way being able to allow staff to literally work on a part-time basis from home. That policy paper will go through to government, we're hoping, by the end of this week, early next week, um, so that for the May payroll, things are changed in terms of furlough. Um, um, Stephen mentioned EMI options. We've, we're asking that anybody who has EMI options who are furloughed also, um, that, is, that is basically that people are allowed to continue to keep their EMI options irrespective of being furloughed. So uh, that paper's going in. Is there anything else you wanted to add from that paper, Stephen, that's worth sharing? Because uh, I think there's some questions coming in, uh, which um, I'll ask. Um, participants to, to speak in a second, but in terms of the recommendations that we put forward, um, would you like to share any of the others? Well, I think that also recognising the kind of immediate cash flow issues for smaller businesses, we've suggested that smaller businesses should be able to access um, a loan of effectively three months' worth of their payroll costs um, from, the, from the government up front, and this immediate liquidity issue is 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 a big one um the the online portal opened yesterday the government have said that they they will process the first set of applications quickly with a view to getting grants across to employers by the end of this month but um you know many many businesses obviously um cash flow is a critical situation already uh so that that was an additional recommendation that we've made and just to um just to to kind of expand a little on Shalini's point on the concession that we've asked for for some form of work during furlough, um, that would be either home working or potentially for those um, uh, essential, those people performing essential tasks to keep a small or medium enterprise business going um, who have to travel for work to be able to do some form of part time work. Um, so that the business can remain afloat and, and that uh, the employer can access the scheme for those individuals who are performing essential tasks, not on a full-time full -time, um, basis. Thank you, Stephen. So, uh, and Eunice, uh, Eunice Malik is on the line. Eunice, would you mind, uh, how are you doing? Would you mind to, to go ahead with your question? We unmute. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you well. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm good, Shalini. Thank you for arranging another great gathering of people uh, so we can uh, help each other and support each other in these difficult times. Um, so first of all, my question is to Lord Bird. Um, relating to the app, I, I invest in startups and I collaborate with a lot of startups into tech area. Um, relating to the app that you've got for magazines, 
Um, you, you were mentioning that your vendors, who are homeless people, they make the money by selling the magazine physically in a street. Uh, if you want to, uh, uh, for me to engage and help and support, I'll be very happy to contribute to that. You could do the app in a way where people can get uh, uh, do a subscription and using the unique link or a QR code, you could then identify from the technology which one of those vendors signed up the customer and they could get the reward for that specific sale uh, by doing it online. The other area I can assist you with, we work with uh, around 12 to 1400 retail businesses across UK and we can work with you, we'll be very happy to display your point of sale in the areas where the vendors usually stand. So even if they are not on the street that day due to bad weather or health issues, if a customer scans the QR code and signs up to it using that specific part of your technology, they could get cut off the revenue of that subscription as an ongoing. So they don't really need to sell it every day to somebody. They could start generating revenue you could set up a parameter, which is like once they have earned X, then they don't get any more and a new person takes that position because then they have a basis in their daily life to hopefully to get a more stable life set. Right. Um, yeah, shall I reply? Yep. Please, uh, please yeah. Thank you very much uh, for that uh, comment. I am, uh, in spite of everything, uh, just the pretty face of the um, you can imagine what the rest of them look like. Um, so, with regard to the technical side, I um, I leave it to my uh, to the people who have a superior knowledge. But I know that we are looking at that kind of technology, and what would be very good is if afterwards I can get you in connection with the with the guy with our our kind of new MD who is very much uh, pushing that side of the business. We obviously want a magazine that is very, very useful to the community and also useful to the vendors. And um, so, so the, the app, I, it, it is launched. I don't know how good it is. Uh, all I know is it will get better. Okay. Well, if Shilani could be so kind to do the introduction in an email, and then if you can put me in touch with them, I'll be very happy to assist in this, because it's a good way yeah, sure. of helping and support the homeless people, and uh, hopefully we can do something constructive. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let me, let me ask the question. It's actually for Stephen. Um, Charlie's first question is, can you ask staff to take a crude holiday during the furloughed period? That's his first question. And then his second question, why don't you answer that one first and I'll go on to the second one in a second. Yeah, a, a really good question because um, the lawyers have been scratching their heads about this. The, um, I, 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 I think the, um, the position that is generally viewed as, as the most sensible, but I can't tell you whether or not that will be upheld if it's challenged, is that... Um, you should be able to ask employees to use their holiday entitlement during a period of furlough leave. Um, so just to kind of look at that a bit more closely, most people's contracts of employment will contain a holiday provision. And in many cases, it will be clear that public holidays are part and parcel of an employee's 
annual holiday entitlement. So starting with that, um, the government guidance has confirmed that the use of taking paid public holiday will not interrupt furlough leave and will effectively um, use up the day of holiday if that's what the contract says, if it provides that public holidays are paid annual leave. The, the thing to bear in mind about that is that if you, are, if you have agreement with your employees that you furlough them on the 80% of monthly salary so that you are cost neutral, effectively only paying them what you can obtain by way of the grant from the government. For any day's holiday, which would include a paid public holiday, you would be required to increase the payment to them up to 100% of their normal salary so that their day's paid annual leave is at their normal salary or wage rate as opposed to a reduced rate during furlough leave. So that's the first point. The government then, in guidance, have kind of gone on to say that employees can request to take holiday and use holiday entitlement during furlough leave. We've dealt with paid uh, public holidays. Yeah. Um, there's also confirmation that employees can request to take annual leave during their furlough leave and that yeah. they should be paid at their normal rate for each day of holiday that they request to take. The final issue is can employers ask employees to use their holiday entitlement during furlough leave? The most sensible answer that, to that seems to be yes, because if an employee can request to take it, why can't an employer require an employee to take it, you know, provided they give the, the necessary um, prior notice, which is required under the, under the law? Um, so I think that's the sensible outcome. Unfortunately, there is a debate uh, about whether or not that would be viewed as correct under the European Directive, which governs all of our holiday leave and holiday pay uh, law. So um, sorry to give an inconclusive answer, but, uh, but hopefully, um, you know, the sensible answer is, is that you can. And maybe, you know, the pragmatic thing to do is to tag it on to the end of any period of furlough leave before employees return to work, so that you effectively, much the same as employers do with maternity, um, with annual leave after a period of maternity leave and so on. Okay, thank you very much, Stephen. It was another quick question from Charlie, which is basically, can, in terms of staff, what can staff do for the business, can they do training? I think the answer to that is yes, they're allowed to train, uh, and that's permissible yeah. under furlough. So I'll go on to um, Jayesh Hirani. Jayesh, would you mind to unmute and ask your question? Yeah, so there's a lot of talk, um, I think, around the furlough scheme where they, um, you know, there's um, this thing about directors can do duties. Well, what I think, uh, uh, you know, um, like we have a small community of uh, entrepreneurs, about about 150 of us in that group. And um, what I think a lot of us are asking, can we actually do, um, you know, like strategy, planning, financial forecasting, you know, a business development, not, not necessarily... Um, you know, basically generating revenue, but um, you know, behind the scenes, you know, updating websites, you know, uh, things like that. Now, um, I feel the government's guidance isn't clear in that respect. What's your opinion? Um, I, I, unfortunately, I, I think that um, by the strict um, letter of the, of the directive and uh, the direction and the guidance, um, that's not that's not allowed. Um, 
the, the exception that they've made for director's duties is, is simply duties that are required to fulfill statutory obligations, so filings and things like that. But that, that, you know, that is precisely the point that we're making in our submission that Shalini talked about, that, you know, there should be, for, for certainly smaller businesses, um, uh, where, you know, it's really just not practicable to say that everybody will go on furlough leave, the, the business grinds to a halt, there's nothing to start up when we come out of this situation. So, uh, you know, that's exactly why we're asking for a concession for some type of de minimis working, you know, to keep essential items moving forward uh, during this period so that the business can get back to, you know, back, back to full swing or hopefully as close as when we come out the other end. Can I just add to that? Uh, sorry, two, two, two different points, actually. Um, one of them, I was uh, talking to um, the, the the Grotop, which is basically currently funded by the GLA, the Great London Authority, the Mayor's Office, and um, they were saying the fact that you can actually, um, you know, so this, this sort of work that I described, like, you know, um, strategy updating, website, etc., is actually acceptable. And I said to them, no, I don't think it is. And they said, no, it is, because that's what the government's guidance says. And they sent me it, and I, and then I looked at it. So a group of us looked at it against the Company's House Act, what the directed duties are, and it's kind of contradicting. So so I'll be just basically saying you cannot to do any of these the tasks that I've described now. You know, in a nutshell. Uh, for the well, as I say, my, my view is that you know unfortunately there's a because of the all-or-nothing approach of the um, of the guidance and the direction that we've received, uh, it's very difficult to do anything other than the very, very minimum duties as a director, you know, that, which are complying with statutory obligations. So, yeah. you know, designing a website, get, putting putting in place contingent plans for coming out on an exit from, from the current situation, I, I'm afraid, I think, um, it is... is is not within the scope of those de minimis directed duties, but I but I do agree that it's that seems particularly unfair for smaller businesses. Um, yeah, and of course, relying on uh, what I would say about the job retention scheme is that we're relying on guidance and uh, and one direction, which is a kind of form of legislation that have obviously been rushed out in a matter of weeks. This is, you know, probably the most kind of biggest change in employment law in, in years. And they're trying to put things in place in two or three weeks. So there are there are areas of ambiguity and uncertainty throughout this. And there are also questions about whether HMRC will, well, firstly, you know, the bandwidth that they'll have to look into claims in any event. And secondly, how they will interpret um, the direction against their own guidance. So. Uh, you know, I'm sorry to say, but as, as probably is not surprising with such a rushed piece of um, new law, uh, there are lots of areas of uncertainty around it. Stephen, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Josh, thank you for the question. Uh, we're going to go on to Amita in a minute. Um, Amita Segal, she has a question. But before that, John, can I just ask you to talk about what do you think are going to be, what's going to be changing over the next few weeks, next few months? How is the world going to be evolving? And any advice that you have for companies 
uh, as we look to the future. Do you have a crystal ball? I don't have a crystal ball, but I have a, uh, I have a kind of optimistic list, so to speak. I think that virtually every business I've had anything to do with, and I have received hundreds and hundreds of letters, uh, emails and phone conversations, and I have been incredibly struck by how near to the community small businesses have become. And I believe that the ace in the pack, or whatever you call it, is that we have built relationships with the community. We built relationships with COVID-19 uh, uh, re relief groups. We built relationships with the NHS. We built relationships with our local shops. I think we really need to build on that because that is the future. And in, in fact, it's not just the future for business, it's in the future for the streets, for the community. And the healthier local community you can have, the healthier are our small businesses, our SMEs, and the healthier are our children and our grandchildren and all those things. So I'm really looking forward to catching in on all of the local uh, um, wonderful... I live in a little village in the middle of nowhere in, North, in, in Cambridge, and I, people are always knocking on my door. They want to help me. I say, look, leave me alone, will you? I'm only 74. I'm as, I'm as fit as a dog. We've been going helping each other. I never spoke to these people before. I want to catch in on that. I want to make sure that all the local chaps who supported us are kept in business so therefore I want to trade with them I also want to trade with the big guys like my local Tesco's has been phenomenal uh, and so it's it's let's let's stay where we are now let's move into the community and let's make sure that the community is an opportunity for building better deeper and more long-lasting business opportunities because at the end of the day if we're not building business opportunities, then all the good hearts in the world won't lead us anywhere. Sure. Thank you for that, John. I'd love to come back to that because I'd like to explore that in a little bit more detail in a, mi in a minute. But I'd like to give um, Amitha the op opportunity to ask her questions. Amitha, are you on the line? Um, Johnny, thank you. I've got a question for Lord Bird. Just by way of introduction, I'm a mental health professional, a psychotherapist and my focus is on promoting good mental health. At the moment, I'm working with entrepreneurs, you know, to help them get through the uncertainties of this unsettling time. So I was wondering, actually, Lord Bird, um, how are you looking after your psychological health during this time? Uh, what advice would you give entrepreneurs at this point? Well, I... Um... <clears throat> I'm very fortunate in that I've had so many reversals of fortune in 74 years. Uh, and um, I, I mean, I was a ex, I'm an ex offender who comes from the streets uh, and rough, you know, slum life. So I've, I've got a lot of kind of bounce in me. So I, I'm, I, the only reason I do keep on is because it, it's how useful you can be to other people. There are other people who cannot bounce back who are finding it very difficult. So in the same way, as if you've had a grievance, a, 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 a grieving, if you're grieving something, whether it's the loss of somebody, the best thing to do is go out and help somebody else. 
I think the best thing that we can be doing at the moment is helping each other. And that is a process. If you can help somebody who is in more need than yourself, then that is an a process of, of reaffirming your own intellectual, uh, uh, mental, psychological health. And that's what I'm doing. I'm also in the middle of, of planning uh, uh, an attack on the government <laughs> in the nicest possible sense. So I'm doing a lot of writing. Uh, I'm, I really want to reform the House of Lords so it can be much, much more useful to everybody in the country. I want the House of Lords not to be an average age of 70. I want it to be an average age of 30. So there's all sorts of things that I'm doing, and, uh, and I'm, I'm pushing open doors. There's enormous amount of passion in the world uh, that I work in for, for, for political and social change. And I think all those kind of things really do help. Also, I'm out on my bike. I, I don't know if you could see my bike, but I'm out on my bike today. I'm in a wood, and I'm doing this in a wood because I spend as much time strenuously using up as much energy so that I don't have to sit around and mope and, and, and return to looking at friends or, or, or any of the other friends. I mean, the, the TV program. <laughs> uh, and, and so I'm doing that kind of thing. I'm keeping away from devices uh, and I'm trying to do that. But so physical, physical health uh, and also really looking out for each other is a great binding mechanism uh unfortunately my wife is working full-time uh I, and if there's any antagonism in the world it's because i'm going out on the cycle ride and she's filling in all sorts of forms for all sorts of things that's so i have to go out and keep leave her alone otherwise i'd be banging my head on the wall as well as she banging hers <laughs> So, so that's great, because I think what you're saying is, um, as, as I've understood it, you're, you're advocating forming links with people around you. Um, you know, your idea of reforming the House of Lords is a, a way of sort of having something of passion that you're involved in, intellectually um, changing the world around you, but also your um, idea of being outdoors, a focus on physical wellness, um, which of course has its links with uh, mental and emotional well-being. I think I, that, that's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Thank very you. much. And John, thanks for your response on that. Can I just go into a little bit more detail about local communities, keeping local communities alive? And Stephen, maybe we can bring you into this conversation. Uh, not meaning to be negative, but some of the, the government initiatives that have been put out there, um, from what we're hearing day in, day out, it's, it's very difficult for a lot of companies to access the C-bills. In terms of the, the job retention schemes, um, Stephen's spoken about it, but it's not really working for small businesses. Um, so how do we, you know, the companies on the street, the, the local shops, the local community, the smaller businesses, what is the solution? Because from what we can see, the furlough scheme will help to some extent, but we're going to see the long-term consequences that companies will be making a lot of redundancies, they will be making a lot of layoffs. Um, what is the solution? How do, we, how do we get around that problem? And let's talk in real terms here. Um, how can we really influence government to make change? Uh, and, and, and that change fast, John. Uh, and Stephen, I mean, in terms of, of the policy recommendations on any of these things, are there any things that you think will literally will happen over the next few weeks that are likely to happen 
I'd just like to discuss that in a bit more detail. John? Oh, me, sorry. Um, I'm, I'm such an idiot that I've come out with a very, very small amount of battery power. Uh, so I'm, I'm probably going to fade in the next minute or two. Uh, okay. Forgive me my trespasses. I hadn't, that was the, that's the fly in the ointment. You've got to get it all in. I, I, well, I, you see, I, I'm of the opinion, because I'm in Parliament and I see how Parliament works, I'm of the opinion that the government is not obdurate and awkward. It really wants to do everything, but because, because uh, everything has to be done very quickly all at once, they're all treading on each other's toes. There are, as, as, as our colleague described, there are things that have not really been thought out of because they've been put together in three weeks uh, and all sorts of stuff like that. So I think there are, there, there, are, there is some, 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 real serious uh, work to be done on making sure that everything works as a system. And of course, um, that I think uh, over the next few weeks, you will have some refining. But we really, really, as a sector, uh, which is relatively small entrepreneurs, I think as a sector, we need to manifest that power and, and stick with the government, but help the government and make sure the government doesn't leave the uh, small business, the entrepreneur, uh, the enterprise behind. And I think that that means actually keeping keeping our powder dry, petitioning where we can be useful, but not just you know not get, just get angry and upset because I think they're doing what they can. We do have problems with the banks because the banks are risk averse, and let's be honest. They are, that doesn't mean to say they're not reckless of us, because in 2008 they nearly destroyed us all. Uh, but so there's a real lot of work that needs to be done on making sure that we have a new kind of banking system that is more reflective on the needs of small businesses, small communities. Every business that is big today is at some stage small. So we, they all have to pass through the prism of being an SME. And, and um, we really need to be driving that point home. Thanks, John. Stephen, uh, would you like to add something? Thank you, John. I should, can I go now? Because my yeah. I'm now down to 1%. One, uh, 1%. Okay. Uh, next time, I'll be make sure I'm up 99%. I promise you. No problem. Can I say thank you on behalf of everybody on the call? Um, it's really nice to have you and to, to wish you continued success with the big issue. And, um, thank just you. Keep I'm John in the House of Lords to, 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 to listen to our policy recommendations. Yeah, well, I'm there for you. <laughs> God bless. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Thanks, Thank John. you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks very much, Robert. Stephen, would you, would you like to add a little bit on that conversation around the practical difficulties and your thoughts? Sure, yeah. I, I should say I'm highly jealous of Lord Bird out on his bike. I feel I've got a very mundane background in comparison. But, uh, <laughs> um, I, 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 I mean, the one thing that struck me when you asked the question was, was um, you know, how it's going to change working practices for the better. And I think that the very clear um, um, kind of view of that is that there's going to be much better a much better attitude towards flexible working, home working, uh, and so on in the future. And, and 
you know, hopefully that means that um, uh, there is the ability for smaller businesses to really partner up without needing to have this presenteeism or having, you know, office, expensive office premises in a certain area to be able to partner with with, with bigger businesses. Uh, I think this, you know, the benefits of remote working have really been appreciated by by many, many employers and employees. So I would hope that that will be a, a, a positive move coming out of um, out of this. I think also potentially, um, you know, there's a greater argument now um, to, to say that when, when different types of um, employment or labour law are being rolled out, there should be considerations of the impact of those particular laws on different sizes of businesses. And that's not, not generally been the case in the UK. It's actually much more a focus in continental Europe where labour laws make a much greater distinction between size of employer in terms of their um, in terms of requirements. Um, but you know we all, we've already seen that <clears throat> for example things like IR35 and the extension of that which has now been moved back to, to April 2021 has a, a kind of certain um, exemption for smaller businesses. Uh, and I think that this this kind of focus of looking at new law and having a particular thought process as to how it impacts on smaller businesses is a, is a very important one. So I would hope that that will also be a, a kind of lasting um, um, result of this. And in terms of our proposals on the job retention scheme, I think we just got to, you know, we've got to wait and see what the what the responses are from government on that and, and, and engage on it. Clearly, one of the big issues for government um, and HMRC is that they're concerned about fraud and how the, the scheme is misused by um, dishonest employers. Um, but, you know, I think that's got to be balanced up against the need to protect really genuine um, uh, um, focused smaller and medium-sized businesses that need extra support in circumstances like this. So, you know, let, let's hope that some of our suggestions will, will be accommodated um, in one form or another. Yeah, I think, I mean, overall, the policy that um, the way the philosophy that uh, the government has has to be one of support rather than working out who is going around the systems. Because if yeah. it's one of support, it's now time, unfortunately, is a very blunt way of putting it, but SMEs is prob are probably needing some level of bailout today, but that will have the long-term upside for the UK. I think everyone on this call is probably on side. Our challenge is to make sure that um, the bigger businesses and um, government really work with us to, to get that message. So Stephen, I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. Um, I'm conscious that we've, we've got about five minutes left. I wanted to ask if there's anybody who would like to ask a, a, another question. Uh, I know Charlie had some more questions. I don't know if he's back on the line. And um, uh, uh, Elusa, I, I think Elusa's on the line. If she'd like to ask a question, Elusa, quickly. Everyone, um, thanks, Angelina. I would like to ask: um, Do we require additional employers' insurance for home working? So you already well, we already have the employers' um, liability insurance, but do we need additional insurance? Because I'm looking to have some of my well, I'm looking to start um, some individuals working at home, doing some home sewing. Um, and I don't know if the current, well, if my present insurance um, covers them working at home. 
Well, I, I, yeah, I think the, the, the kind of short answer to that is it depends what your policy provides for and what kind of work's going to be done uh, at home. You're, you know, one thing's for sure that an employer's kind of obligations to look after the health and safety of its employees isn't doesn't start and end at the at the door of the office. So you do have obligations for the health and safety of your workers whilst they're home working too. And that can be quite difficult because of particularly in the current circumstances, you know, how do you make sure that somebody's working arrangements, working equipment and working station and so on are um, appropriate when when it's impossible to really um, review that uh, and go and inspect it. So um, the, 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 those obligations do continue. And, and actually, uh, you know, one of the reasons or one of the kind of parts of the guidance around furlough leave is that if you've got employees who need to shield and you can't, you know, you can't properly consider their health and safety for work, home working purposes, then you can use a furlough scheme for them. Um, but in terms of your, uh, your, your employer's liability insurance, I mean, I think you would need to check with your policy whether it extends to work outside of the normal workplace. I mean, many policies would do that because, um, you know, for, for all sorts of reasons, employers have employees who need to travel for work, whether that's doing deliveries or um, visiting clients or what have you. So, you know, it, it, I, I, would, I would suggest that you do contact your insurer to check that out. All right. Thank, thanks, um, Stephen. Just quickly, one, one thing to say is that, one, I found out that there's a, a company that does um, assessments, virtual assessments, so we're looking to use them to assess um, their work environment at home. Um, but right. secondly, we're also looking to, some of the ind individuals will be working as subcontractors, sub so I, I wonder, do I, would I need to go back to my insurer? insurance company to find out if um, they'll cover them then, so they wouldn't be employees as it were well if they're so genuinely self-employed then it's up to them to uh, generally oh, speaking right. up to ensure that their own insurance requirements are covered if they're okay, genuinely thank you. Self thank you very much thank you also that's a good question um so uh, i I just wanted to chat a little bit about the fact that, um, just to make people aware that there's been an announcement about a new fund being launched. It's called the Future Fund, and uh, it will be up in, uh, I think, launched in May. So if you are raising money, basically the government's offering to match fund pound for pound any money that you're currently raising. Um, so it's worth keeping an eye out for that. Um, I don't know if everybody is aware of the grants being offered by Innovate UK and Innovate Finance. There's something called a smart grant. The, that is also available until mid-May. So in terms of access to funds, uh, if you're not having success with C-bills, um, then please do um, um, contact us and we, we can put you in touch with um, debt providers um, let you know about the grants and also about the future funds. In terms of any legal questions, um, please do send them across to us and we'd be happy to connect connect you to, to Stephen or any of the partners at Memory Crystal. Um, so um, don't be shy on those things because it's very difficult when we're all alone working in our homes as to who are the right people to talk to. Um, I'd just like to finish off with, there is a small question on um, 
the, the GoToWebinar, which is asking how E2E could be of greatest help to you. And also asking a blank question really around what would you be willing to pay for? Uh, because we're looking at how we evolve the business and how we add most value. And we have all the same challenges that other companies have in terms of monetization. So I'd really appreciate it if um, either you drop me an email or um, if take a couple of minutes just to fill in the, the survey questions. Uh, and we're very open to all new suggestions. Um, so this has been um, our fifth E2E Live. As most of you know, we, we run roughly 50 physical events a year. So we're hoping for those to come back on. Practically speaking, it might be July, August, or even as late as September. We're having to postpone everything in May. Um, which is a shame, but that's, this is the way the world is right now. Um, so I'd like to just say um, the next webinar um, we're looking at is on the 5th of May, so not next week, but the, the week after with the Chief Economist of um, UBS. His name is Paul Donovan. He's the Global Chief Economist. Uh, and if something happens in between, we'll email you. But if you'd like to join us in a couple of weeks' time, I think that will be very interesting session as well, because I think now we're looking at the dust is settling, we're looking at the long-term economic changes that are happening and evolving our businesses accordingly uh, as much as we can, um, thinking about how, how um, the economic and the social political climate is changing as well as obviously um, um, managing immediate cash flows. So Stephen, I'd like to say thank you very much. It's been brilliant to have you on the line. Are you happy for us to fire a few questions to you offline if I if they come into my inbox? Absolutely, please do, and thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Stephen, and um, thank you to everybody on the call. If anybody's got one final question, we can take it, but it is three o'clock, so um, unless anyone says something in the next one second, we will um, we will switch offline and uh, wish you all a good health, stay well, and stay isolated until the lockdown is finished. Thank you, guys.